Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. presence in this place today. Thank you for every time we come before you, you have something to say, something transformative, something that would change, transform our lives, something relevant. Holy Spirit, I ask you will speak to us today. I submit myself to you. I ask you will use me, use my thoughts, my mind, the words of my mouth, to be a blessing to someone today. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. I'm going to start a message series today. I call it Dreaming Your Way to Success. Or Dream Your Way to Success. So we're going to cover this in the next three weeks. And I'm going to share with you uh, on this subject that I believe God has put in my heart because it's relevant. This month is also our month of God dream. And, uh, and I believe that God wants to remind us, you know, of his dreams in our life. And he wants to teach us how to get there. Hallelujah. I will just share, start by uh, telling you about my story a little bit. Uh, by, I would say 1999, I thought I had, I, I, I had a dream for my life. I thought I knew what I really wanted to do. Uh, there were three subjects that were important to me. God was very important. He's always been since I gave my life. But, you know, uh, the subject of finances became very important. You know, like I was already in the U.S. then. And the subject of politics. So those three subjects were very, I mean, things that I would like, I would study, I would pay attention to. And I, as I thought about my life, at that time, I could see myself really doing very well. That was my dream. My dream was to go through life, do very well. Uh, serving church, of course, that was always part of my dream. I thought I could see myself serving in church as a minister, as a teacher. That was always very important to me. But also, I was more interested in exploring, you know, making a lot of money. That was so important. So I got into real estate business. I started buying properties. I invested, I, you know, uh, but a few years later, I was really, really deep into it. I was, I had four or five houses, a tenant, doing all this, you know, really, really trying to chase the American dream. And, um, but by 2004 uh, or five, four, that began to change a little bit. I started seeing my interest really drawn towards ministry. Really, really, really strong, you know, drawn towards what I'm doing now. Uh, and by 2005, it's almost as if God just narrowed all my interest. And my interest was withdrawn from all those things. How's here? You know, I will, you know, doing all this, making money and things like that. I just found myself becoming very disinterested and becoming more and more focused on 
you know, doing ministry. And the thought of starting a church even began to occur to me as something that was, you know, you know, that was, you know, very realistic. Before then, it was just serving but not starting a church. But that became very real. Now, I had my profession. I had my master's degree in engineering. I had a great job. I was making very good income, six-figure salary, uh, doing very well. And that was just supposed to be my trajectory. Doing very well career-wise, invest in real estate, uh, invest in the market. I had studied the market like you won't even believe it. <laughs> How finances work, investing work, and, and I was really into all this. That, that was the only subject. My wife would tell you that was, my, that was what I talked about. But all that changed, and somehow I became very disinterested in all that. Uh, I mean, I was, I'm still interested, but that, that was no longer my dominant thought. And at, by 2005, I realized that the thought of ministry has always been there. It was always there, but it was subtle. You know, it was just something I drowned out uh, with all these other things that came. I, I just overwhelmed it, and I silenced it completely. You know, I just said, you know what? This is not as important. But it kept coming back, coming back. And by 2006, and I think actually late 2000, mid-2005, I came to the realization that this is what God wanted me to do. So I share with my wife, months later, uh, by late, early 2006, Agape House started. Praise the name of Jesus. So I got rid of every other thing. I mean, investing, I found a way to get rid of every other thing because I just knew at that time it was impossible to combine all these things with building the church, with pursuing the kind of uh, assignment that God has given to me. I share that because that might be the story of many people. And as I was thinking about this message, I see that even from the scripture, that is the story of so many people. I think of someone like Abraham. I believe that Abraham had a dream for his life. Uh, judging by his trajectory, his, his family, he planned on, he had an eye for a beautiful woman and he married one. We know that, right? He found a beautiful woman, married. His plan was to have a lot of children. He's always planned to be a businessman and do very well in life. But God had a different dream for Abraham. God's dream for Abraham was to have one son. I mean, just imagine how frustrating that was for him. So God's dream for him was to have one son and have it late, by the way. Have him late, rather. But God's plan was through that son, the old earth will be blessed. That was God's plan for Abraham. I think about Anna as a woman in the Bible. I'm sure her plan, her dream for her life was to have a family, have a lot of children, do very well. But God's dream for Hannah was to have a son named Samuel, who was to be the greatest prophet in Israel. That's interesting. So another person I, would, I think about, his name is Apostle Paul. Many of you have read about him. He had a dream for his life. He happened to be a very, very brilliant man and extremely brilliant. He was the best in his class, the best in everything he did, very strong personality. In fact, this is how he described himself. He said, I was 
In fact, later on when he was talking, he said, look, if anyone has any reason to be boastful in the flesh, he said, I have more. He said, I, I was circumcised in the eighth day. That means I was a Jewish person. And in fact, he called himself a Hebrew of Hebrew. He said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. All right? He said, I was a Pharisee. I belonged I belong to the ruling class of my day. All right? He was a lawyer. So as regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. I had a zeal, and I had everything. That was my life. That was my trajectory. But he said, when I eventually met God's dream for my life, all these things became but dumb. They're just not as important anymore. And the same thing happened to all these people. When Abraham eventually surrendered to God's dream for his life, I mean, we know what happened to him. So is Anna. Anna. And the moral of this story is, God's dream is sometimes different from our dream. God's dream is sometimes different from our dream. But God's dreams for you is better than your dream for you. If you can get to a place where you identify and surrender to his dream, his dream is always better. And God is committed to fulfilling dreams, especially his own dream. And that is very, very, very important. And that's what I want to challenge you today. God's dream for you is better. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, he says, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither I, your ways, my ways. And he declares the Lord. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Very, very important. And what are dreams? When I'm talking about dreams here, I'm not necessarily just talking about when you sleep, you dream. I'm really talking about, you know, the mental picture that God put in our heart. Dreams are God's plan. They are, they are God's plan, especially genuine dreams. They are God's plan translated into our heart. They are put there by God, you know, for his purpose. They are ways by which God allows us to partner with him to fulfill his purpose here on earth. Just a few weeks ago, one of our brothers here was telling me, just sharing with me that God has given him a dream of prison ministry for a very long time. And he just came to me, you know, we were talking and he said, you know what, I think this is, I've been carrying this for a long time. And of reason, I began to think, you know what, I think I have to do this. If I don't do this, you know, I won't just find fulfillment. So they are just burdens that God put in our hearts. You know, they are, they are something that capture, they capture our hearts. When you have them, they capture your heart, they capture your spirit, they ignite imagination, your imagination. They fill you with hope. Usually it's about the future, about a better future. A, a great future for you and for people around you. Praise the name of Jesus. If you have God dream, they consume your thinking. Nothing else is important to you. They fuel your passion. They fuel your excitement. It can happen in a single moment, but most times you have them for a long period of time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, which is our main scripture for today, 
I would like all of us to read it together. Can we all read it? Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to. God has planted an eternity. It actually means a future in our hearts. He has planted in the heart of every one of us. God has planted a future. You see, God's plan is huge. Plan for the world, plan for the earth, plan for the universe. It's big. Plan for the human race. Now, he has called each one of us to partake in that plan, to share in that. Every one of us will have a role. And the way he does that is by putting this dream, this plan, those plans in our hearts. And when we respond to that, we are able to truly be a partner with him, you know, to be what he has called us to be or what he has designed us to be. So inside of every one of us is a dream. Your dream may be that of starting a business. Your dream that God has put may be that of becoming an author, writing books. Your dream might be becoming a missionary. Your dream might be raising a great family for God. Your dream might be signing a record deal. You know, whatever it is, there is a dream in your heart. And as I reflect on this, I was reflecting on this, you know, just preparing for this. It occurred to me, at least I came up with four different kinds of dreamers that we have. The first set of people are people who are too busy to dream. And a lot of people who are too busy to even dream. They don't dream at all. Some of them maybe because of what they have gone through in life, disappointment, you don't dream anymore. Some of you, is usually is because you have disconnected from your heart. You see, our heart has yearning. Those are dreams. Just like our stomach. You know, our stomach, we know when it's calling for food, right? We feel funny. We feel somehow it's, it's calling for something. We go get food. Our heart is always also yearning for a dream. The problem is many of us, we are not in touch with our heart. So we don't even dream at all. We're not in touch. We're very active in our mind. We're active with our mouth. We're active with every aspect of our body. But our heart, which is really our connection with God, we're not in touch. So nothing is driving. So those kind of people are just too busy, too busy to dream, too busy to to think of anything, to to think they are of any significance. They are too consumed about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, they too consume about just pursuing things, pursuing with no significant dream in your heart. And I hope that is not you. And even if you're that person, I hope you're going to wake up today and really begin to connect with your heart. And begin to say, God, you know, wh- why did you put me here on earth? God did not just put you to work, go home, watch TV, and go it, and do it the next day. And live for the weekend only to realize that it's not long enough and, you, you know, Monday. I mean, that's not how God created you to be. There's something significant. And when you are in touch with your dream, you, there's an excitement. There's something about it. There's a will to live. There's a will to, you know, to, to just be excited about life when you are in touch with your dream. 
The second set of people are prisoners of their dream. I call them prisoners of their dream. These kind of people, somehow, they have, they, they have a dream. But they are captive because of their circumstance. All right? They are captive. God has placed a dream. They knew that. But they, are, they keep waiting and waiting and do nothing about the dream. All right? So they are always waiting. You know, the Bible calls such people prisoners of hope. All right? They are just always hoping. All right, always hoping that one day, one day something will happen. One day this will come to pass. So they do nothing or they don't even know what to do. They know in their heart God has put something, but they are just always waiting. Those people eventually become prisoners of their dream. The third category of people, I call them the dream chasers. They are too busy chasing shadows. Chasing things that are not important. They are chasing external things instead of looking internal. You see, your true dream is in your heart. It's not what people say. It's not the next fad. It's not the next important thing. It's not you're having a conversation. Somebody says, oh, people are doing this today and you're chasing. And those people are always running around. They are always chasing. They see somebody do something, they want to do it too. All right, that's, you know, they're, they're always motivated by some external forces. You know, that's not the kind of person God wants you to be. You are not to chase dreams, right? You are, you, are to, you are to fulfill them. You are to recognize them. You are to find them out. They are deep in your heart, and you are to find them out. Praise the name of Jesus. The fourth category, which is really the category we should be, I call it, Fully aligned dreamers. The fully aligned dreamers are people who got to a point in their life which all of us should desire to get to, where their dream is aligned with God's dream. All right? Their dream is aligned with God's dream. Because there are a lot of people who are chasing a dream that is not God's dream, right? So their dream is not aligned, or they think it's a dream. I mean, sometimes... We can mistake even our gift to our dream. They're not always. If our gift, our dream, David will be a singer, not a king. Right? That was his dominant gift. You know, sometimes we can confuse that. Uh, you know, so David was a singer, but that was not necessarily his dream. It's the dream that God has for him was to be the king of Israel. Now, the gift will always play a part in your dream. You do get what I'm talking about. All right? So the gift, the talent, everything God has given to you has a role, but they are not always the same. Praise the name of Jesus. Where we want to get to, every one of us, and I have no doubt, there's room for everybody. God has an eternity. He has placed an eternity in the heart of every one of us. So there is no one who should not be doing something significant in life. There's no one. Every one of you, you are. The only thing is, along the line, we give up on those dreams. Along the line, life circumstances happen, and we just say, you know what, this is too hard. Or many of us, we just haven't found out. It is hard to believe, and I know so many people are like that, it is hard to believe they are that important to be carrying something in their heart that belongs to God. Many of us, that's where we are. 
hard for you to believe that God can actually single you out. You know, some people don't know that. I mean, they just want to be, they just think, when they think of themselves, I'm just one among many. Nothing significant, nothing unusual about me. But there is. There's something significant about you. There's something unique about you. And God has put them in your heart. Hallelujah. You know, most of us, if you really think about it, those dreams have been there a long time. A lot of us, you just need to really search deeper. You need to really maintain a quiet heart. You need to be in touch with your heart instead of with your mind. You see, mind is a very noisy part of our our life. You know, our heart is really subtle. You know, thought of the heart are different from thought of the mind. You know, you know so, so, so heart is different from the mind, spiritually. In fact, heart is more synonymous to your spirit. But it's really, I'm not going to get too technical. I've studied this very, very well, personally. Uh, it is the connection between your mind and your spirit. It's deep, deep down. It's the deepest part of our, you know, our place of imagination and reasoning. And that is where God places those dreams, you know, and we must pursue those dreams. doesn't matter how old you are, it is not too late for you to pursue your dream. It doesn't matter how young you are, it is not too early to start pursuing your dream. It is important for you to really, really decide, I am going to live my life fully aligned with God's plan and purpose for my life. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, today is a three-week series. So today I'm going to talk about, I just finished an introduction now. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. All right. Hopefully my introduction is impressive enough. (laughs) And you want to listen to this, right? All right. All right, so you come next week. You invite your friends. Everybody will come. This place will be packed, right? Okay. Praise God for that. Then my dream is fulfilled. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you. How do you know a dream is from God? Or how do you align your dream with God's dream? How do you really do that? Now, it is not very simple, just to let you know. I'm not, there's no magic one. It's not very simple. What I'm going to give you today are principles but the real work is still going to be you. Much of our Christian race is really personal. It's really how much you want to, how far you want to go with God. All right? There's so, there's so little someone can do. You know, someone in church, the pastor, there is a place for that. But a lot of, you know, what will determine what you achieve with your life will come from you. How much... Are you willing to go? How much are you, how interested are you? How much are you willing to give yourself to this? So I'm going to give you principles that you can work with. Number one is your dream must pass the test of time. If you some, as it passed the test of time. You see, dreams from God, they are not fleeting thoughts. You're not fleeting thoughts. You know, you see, the scripture, Ecclesiastes 3.11, you see, he said God has put an eternity 
in our hearts. He has put them. They are not fleeting thoughts. They are really, really deep thoughts that really will pass the test of time. All right? If there's a dream in your heart, it won't leave you for years. It may be they will come every once in a while. They will come every once in a while. And when they come, they are heavy. But they, are, they, but they, are, they must pass the test of time. If a dream is from God, you will know that it's been there for a very long time. Maybe God has put it, he put it in your heart, you know, to be a writer, to write a book. To do, it's been there for 5, 10, some of you maybe for 20 years. Just never did anything about it. So they are not flitting thoughts. They are really, really, you know, they consume your thinking. I mean, if you are in touch with your heart. All right? And when you are in touch with it, it will fuel your excitement and passion. And it will captivate your heart. It will be so strong, so deep, and it is very arresting. Praise the name of Jesus. It's very arresting. So they must, they will pass the test of time. So don't necessarily give yourself fully to every thought that comes to you. A lot of thoughts will come. People will say this. This is what is in thing now. This is how this. This is that. This is that. And some of us suffer sometimes from just ideas. I know I, I do get a lot of ideas. You know, just, you know, just coming to my heart, coming, coming. But at some point, you will notice consistently there are certain thoughts that are consistent over the years. Praise the name of Jesus. So they must pass the test of time. Hallelujah. The second test they must pass is the test of faith. This is how you know a dream is from God. You must pass a test of faith. You know, if God is the source of your dream, you will need God to fulfill it. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it is impossible to do anything that pleases God, anything that God is involved in, right? If there's anything that God is involved in, it's going to require faith. It's not going to be something that is in the realm of your possibility, that you can say, you know, I can do that. Oh, I, I can do that. Oh, I, I, can, I can do all that. If, though, if, if your dream is something you can really see yourself doing easily, it is not from God. All right? It is not from God. The reason why you haven't pursued it, really, is because it is too hard to pursue. You don't see it as a possibility. You don't see yourself that way. You don't see yourself doing things that will be as big as God as it is occurring to you in your heart. It's just too much. It's just too huge. And it will gonna, it's going to require faith. Now, I can just imagine... Abraham, God telling Abraham that, you know, I'm going to give you a child. And he said, no, I'll bless you. And through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, how is it possible for him to even believe that? I mean, I mean, he's not even traveled the world. I mean, if he has traveled the whole world, he can say, you know what? Yeah, I can do that. We can put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter. You know, we can begin to do all these things. It's probably easier to even believe those things now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Some 
people have really become famous from their basement, right? Just putting some crazy videos, you know, out there, and everybody knows them. I mean, at that time, I mean, how will you even travel the world? I mean, on camel, on foot, you know, I mean, maybe on ship. I mean, how is that going to, it was not possible for him. Impossible. That's why he became the father of faith. Now, it took him time to even be able to do that. When you look at Abraham, I believe it's a story of the father of faith. It's a father of faith, but it's a story of us. That Abraham did not become the father of faith just like that. It took him a while. A while. You know, even try and have a child outside. And God said, no, that's not a child. That's not. The, that's not. Don't worry about them. Don't worry. Just trust me, Abraham. There's a child you are going to have with this, your wife. And that's the child. And it's called, you know, that's the child. And it is through that child that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So you must, so your dream will pass the test of time. I don't know what God has been putting in your heart. I mean, of faith, rather. What has been putting in your heart? It will require faith. And it will require you to be willing to walk the journey of faith. You know, faith is walking with God and allowing God to teach you how to really walk in faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, the test of intimacy. A true dream from God will draw you closer to God. A true dream from God will draw you closer from God. It will draw you closer. First of all, you are going to need God, right? So you need God to fulfill it. If it's a dream that you can achieve by your own cunningness, you know, you, know, you can be cunning, you can manipulate. Some people are so good at manipulating. So, you know, they, they, they can figure out how to get money from people to, to do it. If it is, no, 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 it's not going to work that way. Your dream must draw you close to God. You know, if, it, if it's a dream from God, it will draw you closer to God. Any dream that is drawing you away from God is not from him. Because God wants you first. He wants intimacy with you. So it must be something in your heart that will draw you closer to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Number four, because of time, we're going to run quick. Your dream must pass the kingdom test. Does he put the kingdom first? If you're a child of God, obviously, he must put the kingdom first. Because kingdom is about big things, and that's, that's, this is what I understand it. I mean, when I read Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, uh, do not... Don't, 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 don't take thought for what you eat, what you will drink, you know, what you, be, what you will clothe yourself. Take no thought for all those things. Don't worry about those things. Because after all these things, the Gentiles seek, and they seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added. So what God is saying is that the kingdom is about more important things. I mean, kingdom is not just about food, drink. I mean, those are too easy for God to solve. That's what that scripture is saying. Did you get that now? 
Where you're going to eat, where you're going to drink, where you're going to live, those are too easy for God to solve. I mean, you don't even need to be a child of God for God to answer that. Do you know that? You don't need to be a child of God. I mean, everybody has food to eat, drink, even homeless people. They, they get those prayers answered. They will tell you, I prayed, and somebody provided food. So what God is saying is, if you're a kingdom citizen, your dream must be of a kingdom size. And you know, kingdom is not limited. The kingdom of God is huge, it's worldwide. All right? So for your dream must be a kingdom sized dream. But also, your dream must be a kingdom focused dream. Hallelujah. All right? So you must put the kingdom first, kingdom test. Number five, your dream was passed the love test. I call it love test because it must put others first. Your dream can't just be about you. Jeremiah 45 verse 5 says, do you seek great things for yourself? Don't seek them. Don't do it. All right? If it is just about you, it is not from God. If it is to make you this, to make you that, each time you think about your dream, you're just thinking about yourself relative to others. Oh, this will make me better than this. This will make me this. Oh, so, so, and so, we see now. There are people who talk like that. You know, ah, when I become a pastor, I was one talking to a gentleman, when I become a pastor, everybody will see. You're not going to become a pastor that way. <laughs> or you are going to be some frustrated pastor. <laughs> because it's not easy. Hallelujah. So don't say, oh, when I get there, when I become rich, I'm going to show it's about you now. You know, that's pride. And God resists the proud, right? He gives grace to the humble, the proud, he resists. You don't want God to resist you. By the time the spirit resisting you is the spirit of God, nobody can cast it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> so nobody can cast it out. So your dream must pass the love test. Love test means at the heart of your dream is blessing other people. All right? It's not about you. It's not about your significance. It's not even for your benefit alone. It's about others. Yes, there will always be benefit to you if your dream is fulfilled. But also that dream will cost you significantly. And that's sometimes that's why people don't pursue those dreams. So if your dream is overemphasizing the reward... Not the cost. It is not from God. If, if your dream just overemphasizes what is going to be benefit to you versus to others and the cost, it is really, really going to be difficult. That dream will not be aligned to God. So please make sure your dream passes the love test. The sixth is called, I will call it the, 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 the peace test. The peace test. You know, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but by prayer, with everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. That's Philippians 4, 6, 
And he says, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. All right? Peace is the umpire of God's will for our life. Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, if you have a dream in your heart that is from God, yeah, it might cause you to be fearful. It might cause you to be overwhelmed. All right? But you see, when you pray about it, there's going to be an undeniable peace in your heart. There's going to be a sense it's like a weighty peace from God. And that's what happened to me when I, when I shared my story. I had peace. I had a sense of fulfillment even before I ever started, that this is what God wanted me to be. And I could see that there was a past. There's a test of time. It's been there for many years. Now, I never really paid attention to it, but I could really now go back and say, this is what God has been done. This is what he's been telling me. This is what he's been doing. Now, and the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the more peace I felt. Even though I was going to ultimately walk away from something that was, I mean, that I've worked for, you know, but it was, it just felt right in the heart. Praise God. So the peace test is always there. Some of you, your dream might cause you to walk away from something. The way you are going to know is there is going to be peace about it, among other things. Praise the name of Jesus. Number seven, I call it the confirmation test. This is not always true, but it's true most times. All right? It's true most times. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. All right? You know, God is a God of confirmation. Especially in the, it's more so in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's more, the Old Testament was more individualistic. <clears throat> All right? Very individualistic. In the way God operated, God chooses a prophet, he puts his anointing, his grace upon them, and the person begins to do the work, and you know, that's, and that's just life. In the New Testament, God anointed the body. <clears throat> he doesn't just anoint us individually, he anoints us as a body. So when the Bible says greater work we will do, he's talking about greater work as the body of Christ. He's not really talking about greater work as in, if you look, if you look at the New Testament, you will see that the the, the strong emphasis is, on, is not on individualism. The strong emphasis is on collective, right? Being a body, being two or three gathered together, right? So wheresoever two or three are gathered together, I am there, right? When two shall join together, you know, it will be answered. So there is a lot of dependency that God introduced as a counterbalance to the fact that everybody now has the Holy Spirit. That's my own logic to it. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. In the Old Testament, maybe one in a town will have the Holy Spirit. 
But everybody will know. It will, it will act crazy. It will do weird things. It won't be all the prophets. You just know that that's the house of a prophet. Everybody knew. There's such an anointing over him. He's so big. He's so huge. He's, you know, everybody knew. The rest of us, we just go to him. In the New Testament, however, everybody is filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? All of us. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's just measure. It's a question of measure now, right? It's a question of measures, gifting, area, what he has called us to do. But all of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, God counterbalance that by also causing all of us to somehow need each other. Did you get that now? All right, so that's where this one falls. There's always a test of confirmation. So if there's a dream in your heart, God confirms it, usually through other people, you know, your circumstances of life, where many people. Now, there will be time when people will be against your dream. You know, you will find people will think, this is not possible. This cannot be done. Oh, this is uh, you? Who's going to read your book? Oh, you? You're going to write children's book? Oh, my God. I mean, how is that going to happen? You know, there will be a lot of time where, you know, people will tell you it's impossible. It's impossible. Be realistic, right? You know, be realistic. Ah, no, just don't, you know. But... But you will also find people who can really confirm it, all right? And you must. It is better for you to find confirmation before you go out with your dream. Praise the name of Jesus. I will wrap up by saying this. If you're a child of God, Jesus is really the fulfillment of our dream. You know, Jesus is the fulfillment. You don't know the life of Jesus is a fulfillment. It's a, it's a guarantee, all right, to us that God is interested in our life. The child of God. I mean, anytime you feel how important am I? I mean, why would God? The Bible says, He that gives us His Son, right? How shall He know with Him give us all things? So, the giving of Jesus for our life, don't forget that Jesus was given for you. Now, God wants you, and he said, before I can have you, I need to pay a ransom. Jesus becomes a ransom. Did you get that? You are in the hand of the devil who said, I'm having you. And God knew, I need to rescue. I need a ransom. And God concludes that you are worth Jesus Christ. All right? God concludes that. And he offered Jesus in exchange for you. Praise the name of Jesus. That's a guarantee that God sees something significant in your life. There's something significant. There's something very, very unique about you. There's something important about your life. Don't live your life Anyhow, don't live your life without just thinking and listening to the voice of the enemy telling you, oh, you are what nobody. Oh, you are this. You are this. You have this problem. You have this challenge. Who is going to listen to you? Oh, you've had this before. You have this 
record. You have this, that. You know, I don't think anybody really, really cares about what you have to say. No, 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 no. You have to always go back and remember if God didn't think you are worth much, he wouldn't have offered Jesus Christ. I want us to bow down our heads and pray. I'd like to give people an opportunity. If you are here, you have not accepted Jesus of Nazareth as your personal Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray for you first before we I pray for others. Because that is very important. If you have not accepted the greatest offering that God has given us, Jesus, uh, then uh, you can go for that. So if you're in that category, if you can just wave your right hand, I'd like to pray for you. Thank God you are here. Jesus is here. He loves you. He's interested in you. He, you know, and you just need to say, I accept. I accept the offering. If you're there, please wave your right hand. I'd like, like, I'd like to pray for you. Anyone here? I'll give you a few more seconds. A few more seconds. Right. So I like praise Jesus. All right, everyone here. Let's rise up and pray. You know, pray. You know, pray. The first prayer I want us to pray is to ask God to put us in touch with his dream for our life. All right? That's a very powerful prayer. Say, Lord, please put me in touch with your dream for my life. I want you to go ahead and begin to pray. Just tell him. Say, Father, Lord, put me in touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you put everyone here in touch with your dream. Connect them with your heart for them. Let there be an alignment. If anyone here is, you know, just maybe they, they, they have no dream. They don't even know. They are too busy. Lord, I'm praying that you bring them to a place where they can be calm. They can be at peace. They can experience your dream for them. If there's anyone here in Jesus' name, Lord, with you are just chasing shadows. I pray, Lord, you will bring them to that place where they will really, rec- they will truly recognize that you have a plan and purpose for their life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Lord, I pray for everyone here. I pray for especially people who they are going about with dead dreams. They have given up on their dream. There are some people here, you've had dreams since we are young. You were young. You've always dreamt of some things. And you dreamt of them for many, many years until reality came and the dream became, you packed them away. You just say, you know, it's not going to happen anymore. I'm praying for you today that the power of resurrection will stir up those dreams now in Jesus' name. I'm praying that grace for possibility will rest upon you in the name of Jesus. The Lord will awaken your heart, awaken your mind, awaken your spirit to the realization of God's plan and purpose for your life in the mighty name of Jesus. A number of people here who are they are no longer living carefully. They are living carelessly. Somehow they have come to the conclusion that there's, you know, there's really nothing for me 
It's nothing about my life. My, my life is so ordinary. Why should I treat it as special? Father, I banish every such thought in the mighty name of Jesus. They are thought and thinking from the pit of hell. Here to destroy and to distract and to frustrate your plan for their life. Father, I cancel those thoughts now in the mighty name of Jesus. I replace them with thoughts that is from God. That tells them that they are loved, they are important. And they have a relevance. And that thought will begin to drive a life. A life of righteousness. A life of carefulness. They will begin to walk circumspectly. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you because you have answered our prayer. I give you glory and honor. Because we have prayed in Jesus' name.